Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, if you will, if you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter number 95, the book of Psalm chapter number 95, and then if you'll flip over a couple pages and hold your spot there in Psalm 100. Psalm 95 and uh, Psalm 100 today uh, is our passage of the scripture. Thank you for the wonderful music and uh, the special music. Thank you, Greg, for being here today and taking time to do that. We appreciate that. Um, the beautiful flowers down here today uh, are in memory of Miss Edna Jolly's husband, uh, who went home to be with the Lord uh, a couple years ago. His name is Ralph, and so today would have been his birthday. And so we are honoring his birthday today with those beautiful flowers, and we thank you so much, Miss Edna, for sharing those with us. We are continuing our series of messages today. We only have two messages left uh, on the Journey series. Your adventure begins now, this week and next week. And uh, our journey for the summer will have come to a conclusion the first Sunday in September will be an exciting uh, weekend that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, Brother uh, Tyler and Rashawn will be here, and uh, they'll be sharing with us about uh, the Beach Project and everything that they did with uh, Campus Outreach, and so uh, they'll be here for that Sunday. And then September the 11th will be a special day um, that you're not going to want to miss either as we begin a new series of messages and uh, our children will be singing. And then, of course, September the 18th, and I'm going to talk to you a whole lot more about that at the end of the service is our Back to Church Sunday. And uh, we're excited about that big day and just uh, excited about what God's going to do in this place. But today we are looking at uh, different metaphors throughout the Word of God. And today we're going to talk about being sheep. I know you want to be an animal today. So today you get to be a sheep, and uh, uh, today we're going to look at that and what it means. I know that throughout Scripture, many times throughout Scripture, uh, the Bible talks about the, the sheep and the shepherd. And uh, today I want to take a different approach to it, maybe one that we've never thought about before. Even if you have, um, if you'll just uh, listen right along and maybe gather some uh, new information and new thoughts as you allow the Lord to speak to you today. The Bible frequently mentions sheep and shepherds. A great deal of the Middle East is desert land where it's not always possible to uh, grow large amounts of crop. And so therefore in Bible times when irrigation uh, was not as technology, uh, technologically advanced as it is today, many people raised animals rather than crops. And so when you look throughout the Word of God, you'll see that. When I was, uh, had the opportunity to go to Romania uh, several years ago on a missions trip, Never in my life have I seen uh, literally sheep uh, out in the fields grazing with a shepherd. And uh, we were driving uh, down to Romania the very first day. And uh, we were, the, the missionary was driving us. And uh, we started approaching this farmland. And I looked off to the right. And uh, there were all these sheep. And I thought, well, that's really neat. And then far off in the distance, there was a man standing uh, 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 and, and he had the rod in his hand, and he was standing there watching over the sheep. And I immediately yelled to the driver, Stop! Now, in Romania, they don't have speed limits, nor do they know which side of the road to drive on. It's whichever one has the less traffic. And so he thought something was wrong, and I mean, when I said stop, that man stopped a 15-passenger van, van on a dime. And he turned around, looked at me and said, what's wrong, pastor? And I said, well, first of all, there's a guy barreling down on us. Could you get off to the side of the road? And then I said, I want to see this shepherd. 
And I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, pastor, we're going to see a million of them. And I said, we might, but this is my first time ever seeing it. We unloaded that van and we got out and we walked out to where those sheep were. And as soon as I started getting close to the sheep, and our group did, guess what that shepherd did? That shepherd took off towards me. I didn't speak Romanian. I was, the, the pastor was close to me. And that shepherd came up to me and, and, and said to the pastor through a translation, what are you doing? And I said, I just would like to admire your flock of sheep. And the pastor looked at me and he translated it and the man said something to him. And the pastor looked at him and said, listen, you just used a very interesting word to this man. And I said, what was that? He said, you used the word admire. He said, this man said you could stay here all day long as long as all you're doing is admiring me. You know, when we talk about that, it was the first time in my life, and I'm just being honest with you, I've heard about sheep and shepherds and the Lord being the good shepherd, Psalm chapter 23, I've preached on it, I've used it as funeral, at a funerals and, and many other places, but it was the first time in my life that visually I saw what it meant to be a shepherd. The shepherd stood afar off, he was not close to the sheep. But at the very moment that he thought that danger was approaching, the shepherd stepped in on behalf of his sheep. And he, he not only now was not long, no longer admiring from a distance, he was taking care of business right where business needed to be taken care of. And at that very moment, God began to work in my heart and I began to realize what it really meant that the Lord is, what's the next word? My, he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Can I tell you what that means? That word my is a personal uh, a pronoun. He is mine. He is personal to me. The Lord is my shepherd. He may be afar off in, in terms of distance of heaven, but in my heart he lives and he is always watching over and always protecting me. And when danger approaches, even though uh, trials and tribulations may come in my life, the Lord is there to stand in my stead. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Flocks were so relevant to the economy that a man's wealth could be measured by the size of his flocks. If a man was wealthy enough to have more flocks than he and his sons could care for, he hired shepherds to care for the flocks. Obviously, the character and skill of these shepherds was of utmost importance to the owner of the flock. It was essential that these shepherds be capable and trustworthy men. The same attributes that we have of God is what we find when, when owners of a flock are looking for shepherds. That they are capable and trustworthy men. Just like these men, however even greater, the good shepherd himself cares for us. So we do not need to fear any harm coming to us. We have nothing to be afraid of because God is in control. Amen, church? God, is, God has everything under control. He is in charge. Let's examine some biblical principles for how we as sheep should respond to the good shepherd. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me in the book of Psalm chapter number 95. Psalm chapter number 95. We're going to look at one verse here. Psalm 95. Look with me in verse number 7. Psalm 95, verse number 7. 
For he is, what's the next word? Our God. For he is our God. And we are the people of his what? Pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, today, if you will hear his voice. If you'll flip over a couple of pages to Psalm chapter 100, verse number 3. Psalm 100, verse number 3. This is what the Bible says. Know ye not that the Lord, he is what? He is God. Know ye not that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. What does it say? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I love it. Two different places in the word of God. We are called his sheep. Not only are we called his sheep, but we're called his sheep in his pasture. He cares for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have here together. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes on the back of your bullets, and there's an outline. And we'll look at that outline together. Number one, as sheep, what are we to do? First of all, we're to hear the shepherd's voice. We're to hear the shepherd's voice. I've been talking a lot all summer long. If you've been here uh, during any of my messages on Sunday, we've been talking a lot about spending quality time with God, reading our Bibles, praying, getting into the word of God, really knowing who he is. And can I tell you that in order to be a, a, a sheep that is, that is going to stay away from danger, a sheep that is protective, he's got to hear the shepherd's voice. He's got to be able to hear that voice. And when the shepherd speaks, we should listen. When the shepherd speaks, we should listen. You know, I have three little boys, and I've told you this many times. My, my, my youngest boys, we try to instill in them that when dad says something, that we immediately do it. Why? Because it could be preventing you from danger. And that's why it's so important as Christians that we hear the voice of the shepherd to prevent us from danger. We need to hear the shepherd's voice. The shepherd's primary responsibility is to keep his sheep, what? Safe. So it's imperative that the sheep listen and obey the shepherd. I have a friend who's a canine police officer and, uh, in Michigan. And uh, I went over to his home for the very first time after meeting him. And I went over to his house, and, and he's got this German shepherd. Now, I don't know if you've ever been close to a police dog. Hopefully, not on the bad end of it. Um, but I, those guys, they're vicious. And they're scary. I'm just going to be honest with you. I walked into that house, and uh, that dog looked at me, and I looked at John. That's my friend's name. It's a canine officer. And I said, I'm not going to move until you tell that dog to do something. He goes, there's no reason to be afraid because I have not given him any command that makes him think that you're going to harm him. And I said, okay. And I walked into his home and I sat down at, at, at the kitchen table and uh, he got me a glass of water. And that dog walked right up to me and put his snout right into my rib cage and looked at me. And actually, for the first time, I looked at that dog as if he had puppy eyes. John said to me, you want to go on a ride-along? I said, yeah, I'd love to go on a ride-along. He said, let's go. One night, it was about 10 o'clock at night, I'm riding along with him. 
His dog's in the back. We pull a car over. We get out of the car. He said, you go on this side. I'll go on this side. I said, okay. That side. We walked up to the car. Before we could get all the way to the car, John said, this isn't going to be good. I just want you to know. Thanks. <laughs> remember that paper you signed? Yeah, I remember. Okay. The guy started opening his door on John. And I'll never forget what John said. He looked at the man in the eyes. He said, if you take another move, I will hit this button and my dog will tear you apart. The guy must not have believed him. Because <laughs> the guy swung the door open and he had a remote in his hand. That dog's in the back of the car. He hit that button. The door popped open. I thought I was afraid of that dog before. That dog jumped on that guy and put him to the ground and would not stop until John gave a command. That was all in German. And I remember that dog sat when John gave the command. John handcuffed him. And that dog sat and kept his eye on John the whole time. We got back in the car. That dog got in the car. His tail was waggling. I petted him. He was fine. You know what John said? This is what he said. He said, my companion, because that's what he was. He said, my companion's number one job is to protect me. As long as you don't put me in danger, he's not going to react. He said, but he will listen and obey immediately. And you know what? I know it's just a canine dog, but I began to think about the correlation. And I thought, what would it be if we as Christians would listen and obey so intently to God? Because at any moment, listen to me, church, at any moment, God could push the button. And he's just waiting for us to respond to him. And he's just waiting for us to say yes to him. He's just waiting for us to show him, show us where the protection is. But what do we have to do? We have to listen and we have to obey the shepherd's voice. If you're not reading your Bible and you're not praying and you're not uh, immersing yourself in God, then you'll never be able to hear him. You've got to be as close up to God because the Bible says he, st he speaks in a still small voice. That's listening to the shepherd. First of all, when we hear the shepherd's voice, he will constantly feed us. He will constantly feed us. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Sheep are almost constantly either eating or chewing their cud. I did a lot of research on sheep this uh, past couple of weeks. And I found out that sheep are ruminants, just like cattle. I, I didn't know this. Um, which means they have a digestive process that involves their food passing through different chambers of the stomach and periodically being brought up so that they can chew it some more. That's exciting. I challenge you to go home and YouTube ruminants because it's, it's interesting to watch sheep. They'll eat their food, they'll lay on the ground, and then the next thing you know, they're chewing again. Because they, they, they've, I don't know, they brought it back up. We'll just use that term. And they're chewing it again. And I thought about this. If you're visiting today, I'm very sorry. Um, and they thought about this, and it was like, and I, I just started, I mean, I was mesmerized. I'm telling you. 
Because, I mean, you know, there's just some things you can't look away from. And I'm watching this video thinking to myself, wow, that's really neat. And then God gave me a thought. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with the word of God? We digest it. We take it in. And then when the time comes, sometimes the Lord will bring it to our remembrance. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not what? Sin against him. The Bible tells us that we are supposed to literally uh, 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 bring it back up, bring it to our remembrance. The behavior of a sheep is such a good picture of the relationship we are to have with the word of God. The word of God is represented as something that we ingest into our hearts and minds in the same way as we take food into our stomachs. Job chapter 23 and verse number 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more necessary than food. Job said, I've realized something in my life. I need God more than I need anything at all. I need God more than I need anything at all. We need to feast our souls and our spirits on the word of God as the physical body will begin to deteriorate from the lack of food. Our spiritual lives will wither if we're not consuming God's word. It's so important that we're taking time out of our busy schedules to literally spend time with God. You know, so many times we look at our lives and, and we schedule our lives to the nines and we, we think we, we, we've got to do this and we have to do this and we have to do this and, and, and then we go to bed and we start all over again the next day and we have to do this and we have to do this and we have to do this and we never stop and take time to spend with God. I often tell people this, they'll say, Pastor, I don't have time to do that devotion thing and that prayer thing. This is what I tell them. Stop trying to make time and schedule time. Stop trying to make time and schedule time. Listen, you schedule all of your appointments. Why don't you schedule time with God every single day of your life? Because if you don't, you'll become very weak spiritually and you'll become very susceptible to the enemy. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. The only time in the King James Version that the word success, or success is used. Pastor, I want to be a success in my life. I want everything to, to go just as it ought to go. Look what it says in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt, what's the next word? Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. You want to be prosperous, you want to have success, it starts with the word of God. It starts with, with immersing yourself in scripture and meditating upon the word of God. Not just reading it, but meditating upon it. Let her be. Submit to the shepherd's control. Submit to the shepherd's control. Now I'm going to tell on myself because you don't want me to tell on you. But sometimes in life, it's hard to let go of being in control, isn't it? Right? I'm going to be honest with you. And I say this in the kindest way. I like to drive myself around. I don't like riding with anyone. Because if I'm driving, I feel like what? I'm in control. If I'm in the passenger side, then probably I've installed a brake and a gas on that side. 
I'm dreading in two years when I begin to teach my son how to drive. His mama will. That's right. Um, I like to be in control. Are you with me? We all like to be in control. We never like to think that we are not in control of our own lives. Can I tell you something? You are not in control of your life. You're not. God is in control of our lives. He is the sovereign, uh, almighty God who is in control of our lives. We all make plans and we all make paths and we all decide that these are the things that we're going to do. And I'm going to uh, be in control of them and everything's going to be okay. And then in a moment, in an instant, God changes it. And we go, that wasn't in the plan. That wasn't in the process. And God says this, it was in my plan. It was in my process. And so what do you have to do? You have to trust me through the plan. You have to trust me through the process. And by the way, when you do that, you're doing one thing. You're submitting to him. You're submitting to the control of the shepherd. The shepherd is the one that needs to be in control. Why? The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the safer the sheep will be. Right? The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the safer they will be. In fact, the word shepherd comes from the word sheep. And heard. What does that mean? Well, the honest truth is it is the shepherd's job not only to protect and provide for the sheep, but he is also to control them or herd them. I don't know if you know this, and I want to say this in the kindest way, but sheep are not smart. They're just not. Sheep are not smart. They, they, they see an idea and they run with it, whether it's a good idea or not. They're just not smart. So they have to have a shepherd to herd them away from danger and to herd them to the green pastures that they need. He needs to lead them to the best pastures and clean water. The sheep must submit to and follow the shepherd's leading. As God's sheep, we too must submit to the control of our shepherd. He knows best and we need to follow him. I get asked a couple of questions, probably more than any other question I get asked. And one of the questions I get asked is this. Pastor, is it okay to question God for something that's happened in my life? You tell us all the time that we need to trust him and that we need to follow him. But is it okay to question God? Is it okay if I ask God why? Can I tell you the answer to that question that you have? It's yes. You do. You say, Pastor, we've always been told that you just don't question God. You never question God. Well, you should study the book of Habakkuk. You'll find out there's a prophet of God who questioned God. He's, his question was this, why? Have you ever wondered why something happened in your life, but you're afraid to question God? Can I tell you there are two types of, of ways to question God. The one is wrong and the one is right. One that says, why God did you allow this to happen to me? I'm mad at you and I'm walking away. That's the wrong why. The right why is, Lord, I don't understand why this happened in my life. Could you give me an explanation? Now, can I tell you something about God? He doesn't always give us an immediate explanation. He doesn't. But what he will do is either on this side of heaven or when we get to heaven, 
there'll be an explanation. There's been many times in my life where God has allowed something to happen. And I look back and I say, and in the midst of it, I'll say, why God did you allow this in my life? I know you. I'm trusting you. The, the Bible says you know what's best for me. But certainly this cannot be best for me. And he looks down at me and he says, hold my hand. Let's go. Hold my hand and I'll lead you through it. And so I grab hands with the Lord and we walk through it. And then when we get to the other side of it, he looks at me and he says, will you do me a favor? What? Look back. And I'll look back on the circumstance. And the answer to the question of why will have been answered. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. We must submit to the control of our shepherd. Psalm 139, one of my favorite verses, or two verses in the Bible, here it is. Search me, O God, and know my, what's the next word? Heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me. He can't lead me unless I'm following him. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Also, sheep are safer by staying with the rest of the flock. They are especially susceptible to attack when they are separated from the flock. Predators watch for the sheep that separate themselves from others. I was watching more videos about sheep and I was learning about them. And I began to watch and it's not an enjoyable watch, but I begin to watch as sheep begin to stray from the flock. And if the shepherd doesn't catch them, the predator will come and will take them away and destroy them. By the way, we have a predator too. On Wednesday night, we dealt with it in a very strong fashion, talking about the spirit who wants to destroy us. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. Be what? Sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Devour. The enemy is out to devour every one of us, ruin our lives, and take us away from the Lord. If we allow ourselves to become separated from God's people, we will become a much easier target for the enemy. Do you know why I encourage you to come to church? Not so you come here and listen to me. Not so you can come here and, and, and listen to Pastor Parker sing and our wonderful praise team and our choir. That's not why we come to church. We come to church to fellowship and to grow and to stay uh, uh, knit together so that we can, as a unit, uh, 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 with God's help, defeat the enemy. Right? That's what we do. You see, when you talk about the church, the church is to be a unit. We're to all be on the same page. We're to all be uh, uh, people that love each other and care about each other. We talked about friendship last week. And the reason that we have that is so that we can uh, uh, together uh, be more powerful against the enemy. Obviously, not being able to defeat him with our own power, but only through the power and the might of Jesus Christ. We must remain connected to our local church, faithful to its service, services and accountable to its members. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll just tell you this, the truth from the pulpit. When you're gone, I miss you. I wonder what's going on. Why aren't you here? What, what, what's happened in your life? You know why? Because you're my family. You're my family. I moved up here two years plus ago. 
And when I arrived in Carrollton, Georgia, I didn't even know Carrollton, Georgia was a city. I didn't. You know, I knew Atlanta. I'd driven through Atlanta many times. I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, this is how much traveling I've not done up this way. I didn't even know there was a such thing as I-20. No idea. I get in the car and start driving. My wife's navigating next to me. She said, there's going to be a road called Interstate 20. And we're going to take that one. I said, okay. And we took Interstate 20 and got off on an exit called Carrollton. And we started driving and driving and driving. I may have told you this story before. We got into this town on a Friday night getting ready for it to meet with, our, uh, 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 with, the, with the pulpit committee. And my wife and I and my family. And uh, we drove down, uh, 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 down Bankhead. We didn't know anything about a bypass, nothing. We drove from on Bankhead all the way down to Maple Street and we turned around. My wife looked at me and she said, we can't move here. I said, why? She said, all there is is a food depot. You know where I'm at now, don't you? We stayed in Douglasville that night. We didn't even stay in Carrollton. (laughs) And then we went on Google and found out, oh, there are some stores around here. I, I don't have family up here. You're my family. There are some of you sitting in this room today that have lost your family, been disconnected from your family. Your family doesn't live in this area. This is family. Amen? This is who we are. We are a family unit. And and, and we must remain connected to one another. And be accountable to each other. Number two, and I've got to hurry. We've got to follow the shepherd. We have to follow the shepherd. It's important that we understand. Listen to me. It's important that we understand who the leader is. Right? My son came home from school the other day, second grader. And uh, he said to me, Dad, guess what? I said, what, bud? He said, I had a great, great day. I said, well, that's great. I'm, I'm thrilled. What happened? I'm the line leader. I said, you got chosen to be the line leader? Yes. And I said, what does that mean? He said, that means I'm first. He said, she says line leader, and that's me. And I said, well, that's fun. He said, yes. He said, everybody has to line up behind me. He said, and then I get to turn around to make sure they're staying in line. He said, I'm the line leader. Can I tell you something? It's exciting to know that we have a line leader. That will never lead us astray. All we have to do is follow the shepherd. Keep our eyes on him and he will lead us. We must learn to hear the shepherd's voice. Then we need to follow his lead. Let me share with you a couple of principles involved in following the Lord our shepherd. These are very practical thoughts and, and, I, and I hope you'll understand them in a way that will help you. First of all, we've got to keep moving or we'll become stagnant. We've got to keep moving or we'll become stagnant. When we talk about following the shepherd, we have to keep moving. We have to keep allowing him to lead us into the direction that he wants us. When sheep graze, they eat the grass all the way down to the roots, which can quickly kill the grass and destroy the land. To prevent what they call overgrazing, shepherds must constantly move their sheep to fresh pasture. It's very interesting. We too must continually be on the move. We too must continue 
to find ourselves immersed in the word of God, following the shepherd, doing what he's asked us and called us to do, or we will become stagnant. Peter reminds us that we need to be constantly growing. First, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number eight, uh, 18, excuse me, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be all glory now and forever. Amen. Do you see what it says? But grow in grace. Not only grow in grace, but in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's one thing I know. No matter how many times I study a passage of Scripture, how many times I preach a passage of Scripture, no matter how many times God leads me to a passage of Scripture, God always teaches me something through it. It's inexhaustible, the Word of God is. We can continue to grow in the knowledge of God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Letter B. Not only keep moving, but don't follow the crowd. This can be a tough one. But you know why? Because we're sheep. We're sheep. We have it. It's easier to follow the crowd than it is to stand out and do what's right. It's easier to be mixed in and follow the crowd than it is to be standing out. And can I tell you something? It's important that we don't follow the crowd. Sheep have a strong instinct to follow other sheep in the flock. When one sheep decides to go somewhere, the rest of the flock usually follows, even if doing so brings harm. I read an article at USA Today, and it reports this. It says, in Turkey, a few shepherds briefly left a flock of sheep. And one sheep decided to jump off a cliff. When the shepherds returned, they were unable to stop the almost 1,500 remaining sheep from following. 450 sheep on that day were killed. Because they followed the crowd. Even though they saw that there were problems. Even though they saw one sheep after another falling off the cliff. They kept following the crowd. And you know what? I I am so concerned about churches today. I'm so concerned about people today. Because we look at people and we say, I'm just going to follow them. I'm just going to get behind them and follow them. Even though it may lead to destruction, I'm going to follow them. Can I tell you something this morning? And please don't get upset with me. Please don't say that I'm, I'm, I'm saying things against other people because I'm not. This is what I'm saying. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you trust. Be careful who you, who you read. Be careful who you listen to. Because if you're not cautious, you'll be led to destruction. I often tell you many times, uh, this pulpit, to make sure that you go home and make sure what I'm telling you is the truth. And by the way, you should do that with every person that you read and listen to. Because if you're not careful, they'll lead you on a path of destruction. If we choose to follow the crowd in a direction that leads away from God... We are responsible for the consequences of our own decisions. We can follow godly people only as long as they follow Christ. Paul said it this way, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Number three, and I'm done. Remain in the shepherd's care. Remain in the shepherd's care. Make sure that you remain under his care and his guidance. Wealthy sheep owners who had more flocks than they could care for alone were very careful in their selection of the shepherds they hired because a sheep's welfare is entirely dependent upon the shepherd. I want you to know something. Their sheep were not just pets. Do you understand that? When I went on that side of that mountain there in Romania and that shepherd was out there, 
that it wasn't just a fun time. He just wasn't out there enjoying or watching the sheep graze. This was his livelihood. This was everything that he had for him and his family. They were vulnerable, or excuse me, valuable animals which required diligent care of the shepherd. We too are valuable to God. You say, Pastor, you've been saying that every week. I know I have. And I think it's very important that we try to let it sink in. Because our value is in God. Our value is in God. David Budaya, who is a diver, if you've watched any of the Olympics, or maybe even been on Facebook, um, David Budaya is a diver, and uh, he won uh, several medals this year. David Budaya did an interview with him and Steele, and the announcer, or the commentator, asked them about their dive, and this is what he said. He said, I had nothing to worry about because my identity is in Christ. My identity is in Christ. National television. My identity is in Christ. I watched yesterday as four young ladies ran a 4 by 100 and at the end of it, they all circled around each other with their arms over each other and there was a camera that was stuck right in the middle of them. And one of them started praying and praising God for what he had allowed them to accomplish. And I was very interested with how this prayer was going to end. And this is what she said. She said, Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus, your son. Amen. Now, I was sitting in a recliner and I had a moment. I've watched in, in two different instances people that had an opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ through a simple testimony of life, and they took the opportunity. Can I tell you something this morning? You are valuable to God, not because of who you are, but because of your identity in him. He calls us the sheep of his pasture, Psalm 100 and verse number 3, and he inspired David to write, the Lord was his shepherd in Psalm 23.1. First of all, we have to depend on his protection. We have to depend on his protection. Many animals, even domestic animals, can defend themselves effectively if necessary. But sheep have no defensive mechanism. All but the toughest rams would be utterly helpless against any predator. Remember that David killed both a lion and a bear that attacked his flock. He took the lamb right out of the bear's mouth, if you remember the passage of scripture. Without David's protection, there would have been no hope for the sheep. We already identified our enemy as Satan. Scripture commands us, as we've read already, to resist him. Yet we cannot defeat him apart from the Lord. Jesus withstood the temptations of Satan in the wilderness by quoting the word of God in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Even the angels rely on the Lord when it comes to resisting the devil. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Michael the archangel and the enemy, the Satan, were in a dispute over Moses' body. And the Bible says that Michael the archangel looked at the enemy and said, uh, 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 The Lord rebuked thee. See, Michael the archangel even realized that he did not have the power to overcome the enemy. But can I tell you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. As the sheep depend on the protection of their shepherds, so we depend on the Lord. The God who keeps and watch over you never drops his attention. Nothing happens to us that he does not either cause or permit. That's the sovereignty of God. And in either case, his love is at work. We depend on God's protection. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art... With me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
We also depend on God's protection for our eternal future. Some struggle with the assurance of their salvation. Can I tell you, once we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, nothing, nothing can take that away. Our salvation is protected by the Lord. We are sealed. The Bible says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of the Father's head of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Secondly of all, we have to depend on his promises, and I'm done. We have to depend on his promises. What are his promises? The outstanding characteristic of the shepherd is his reliability. The sheep depend on him to take them to fresh pastures, to lead them in the right direction and protect them from hazards. And everything, the sheep trust the shepherd. Psalm 910. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. What are his promises? Here they are and we're done. His presence now and forever. His presence now and forever. The Lord Jesus promises that he will always be there. Psalm 37, 28. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. Here it is. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. We are preserved forever. Not only that, he promises peace. He promises peace in our life. He said, Pastor, we live in a world of unrest. We do, but we have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not, of the, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He'll give us peace. And then thirdly, the promise of his return. I love this. John chapter number 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You may be here this morning and your heart is troubled. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I hear you talking about he's the good shepherd. I hear you talking about that we're the sheep. But I don't even know what that means. Because there's never been a time in my life when I have come in contact with God in such a way that you're speaking of. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can I tell you that Jesus is waiting with open arms and he's beckoning you to come. If you're here today and you're saved, maybe... You've stopped following the shepherd. Maybe you've taken and said, you know what? It's not as important as it seems. Can I tell you something this morning? There is nothing more important in this life than having a relationship, an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than spending time in his word and praying There's nothing more important than following his lead. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I've been on staff at a church since I was 19 years old. As either an assistant pastor, family pastor, senior pastor. I've stood over numerous, numerous caskets I've had tears shed 
all over my shirts. I've had people looking in desperation for hope. And I can turn to them and I can say, the only thing that matters is what we've done for God. At this very moment, it doesn't matter how much money is in the bank. It doesn't matter how many trophies are on the wall. It doesn't matter how big the house is. It doesn't matter how beautiful the car is. What it matters is what I've done with God. And the only thing that's going to matter when I stand before my Savior, when He looks at me, it's either going to be burn up because it was worth nothing what I've done for Him, or it's going to be in the form of crowns as I'm able to throw them back at His feet. Could I ask you today as sheep, as us all are sheep, following the shepherd, what are we doing with what really matters in eternity? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening so well this morning.